Greetings and welcome to Prison News. I'm your host, and what we're going to do today is read a little bit of the McGuffey's readers used during the time of the Civil War, uh, not only for inmate children and inmates themselves, but also for the general population and later on in regular schools. McGuffey's readers were spoken of highly by Henry Ford as one of the biggest influences in his life, and there's quite a bit of history. We're going to go ahead now and read a few of the selected excerpts, the actual lessons that kids would uh, listen to nearly 200 years ago with a slate and a piece of chalk. That's all they had back then. Okay, the first story is called Mama's Present. Jessie played a good joke on her mama. This is the way she did it. Jessie had gone into the woods with Jamie and Joe to get green branches to trim up their house for Christmas. She wore her little cap and little white furs and her red leggings. She was a merry little girl indeed, but she felt this morning because her mother had said, sadly, The children will all have Christmas presents, but I don't expect any for myself. We are too poor this year. When Jessie told her brothers about this, they all talked about it a great deal. Such a good and kind mama, and no Christmas present, that's sad. I don't like it, said little Jessie with a tear in her eye. Oh, she has you, said Joe. But I'm not something new, said Jessie. Well, you will be new, Jessie, said Joe. When you get back, she hasn't seen you for an hour. Jessie jumped and laughed. Then put me in a basket and carry me to mama and tell her, I'm her Christmas present. <laughs> so they set her in the basket and put green branches all around her. It was a jolly ride. They set her down on the doorstep and went in and said, There's a present for you out there, Mama. Mama went and looked, and there, in a basket full of green branches, sat her own little laughing girl. Just the very thing I wanted most, said Mama. Then, dear Mama, said Jessie, bounding out of her leafy nest, I should think it would be Christmas for all mamas all the time, for they get to see their little girls every day. Next story. Ralph Wick. Ralph Wick was seven years old. In most things he was a fine boy, but he was too apt to cry. When he could not have what he wanted, he wanted to cry, and he would say things like, I will have it anyway. If he was, was told that something would hurt him and he couldn't have it, he would start to tease or act out or even cry. One day he went with his mother into the fields and the sun shone, the grass was cut, the flowers were in bloom. Ralph thought he was for once a good boy. A smile was on his face. He wished to do as he was told. He said, Mother, I will be good now. I will do as you tell me. Please let me toss this hay. That I will, said his mother. So they threw the hay, as Ralph wished, and he was very happy. Now you must be tired, said his mother. Sit down here, and I'll get a nice red rose for you. I would like to have one, said Ralph. So his mother brought the red rose to him. Thank you, mother, he said. But you have a white one. Please give me that one instead. No, my dear, said the mother. See how many thorns is on its stem? You must not touch it. If you should try to pluck a rose like this, you would be sure to hurt your hand. When Ralph found that he could not have the white rose that he wanted, he began to scream and get fussy, and he snatched it. But he was soon very sorry, because the thorns tore into his hand. It was so sore he couldn't use his hand for some time. Ralph did not soon forget this. 
When he wanted what he should not have, his mother would point to his sore hand. At last he learned to do what he was told. Next. The Storyteller Peter Pindar was a great storyteller. One day he was going by the school. The children gathered around him. They said, Please tell us a story that we have never heard. Ned said, Tell us something about boys and dogs. Well, let me think, said Peter. Ah, uh, I like to tell you kids a story, and you all appear to be acting very civilly today. I'll tell you a new story. It shall be about a boy and some dogs. Before we sit down, tell us what you're going to tell us. Well, before you sit down, I want you to sit down in a cool, shady place. Now, John, you must be as still as a mouse. Mary, you must not let your dog trouser bark or make any noise. I'm going to tell the story right now. A long way from this place, there's a land where it's very cold and much snow falls. The hills are very high there, and travelers are often lost among those hills. And around those hills, there are some people who keep some very large dogs. Now, these dogs are taught to hunt for people who are lost in the snow. Those dogs, they got a, such a fine scent, they can smell a person. Just, just by smell alone, they can find him. Sometimes it's so dark that they cannot see anything. Those who are often lost end up lying down hidden in those snow banks. One cold, bleak night, the snow fell fast and the wind really blew. It was loud, shrill. It was quite dark. Not a star could be seen up there in the sky. These good men sat out a dog to hunt for those who might need some help. In about an hour or two, the dog was heard coming back. On looking out, they saw a poor boy was on that dog's back. The poor child was stiff with cold. He could just barely hold on to that dog. He'd lain for a long time in the snow, and he was too weak to walk. He, he felt something pull him by the coat, and he heard <coughs> the bark of a dog. He put out his hand, and he felt the dog. The dog gave him another pull. This gave the poor boy some hope, and he took a hold of that dog. He threw himself out of the snow, but he couldn't walk. He couldn't stand. He got on the dog's back and put his arms around that dog's neck, and he held on. He felt sure that the dog did not mean to do him any harm. Thus he rode all the way to the good men's house. They took care of him till the snow was gone. Then they sent him home. Next. A Good Old Man There once lived an old man in a snug little cottage. It had two rooms and only two windows. A small garden lay just behind it. Old as the poor man was, he used to work in the fields. Often he would come home very tired and weak with his hoe or spade on his shoulder. And who do you think met him at the door? Mary and Jane, his two little grandchildren. They were too young to work except just to pick a few weeds in the garden or sometimes to bring him water from the spring. In winter, as they were too poor to buy much wood or coal, they had just a little fire, so they used to sit close together to keep warm. Mary would sit on one of the old man's knees, and Jane on the other one. Sometimes their grandfather would tell them a dry story. Sometimes he would tell them an exciting story. Other times he would teach them a hymn. He would often talk to them of his father and of their father, who had gone to sea, or of their good, kind mother who was in her grave. Every night he prayed to God to bless those little girls and to bring back their father in safety. The old man grew weaker every year. But the little girls were glad to work for him, who had been so good to them.
One cold, windy night, they heard a knock at the door. The little girls ran and opened it. Oh, joy to them! There stood their father. He had been at sea a long time. He had saved up some money, and now he had come home to stay. After this, the old man did not have to work. His son worked for him, and his grandchildren took care of him. Many, many happy days they spent together. Next. Laura English is a greedy little girl. Indeed, she's quite a little glutton. Did you know what a glutton is? A glutton is one who eats too much because the food tastes so good to her. Laura's mother is always willing that she should have plenty to eat, as much as good for her, but sometimes when her mother's not watching, she eats so much that makes her sick. I do not know why she is so silly. Her kittens never eat more than they need. It leaves the nice bones on the plate and it lies down to sleep when the kitten is done eating. The bee is even wiser than Laura. It flies all day among the flowers to gather honey. And it wanted, if it wanted to, it could eat honey all day long. But it eats just enough and carries all the rest to its hive. The squirrel eats a few nuts or acorns, and then he goes about frisky and gaily as if he had dined at a king's table. Did you ever see a squirrel with a nut in his paws? How bright and lively he looks as he eats it. If he lived in a house made of acorns, he would never need a doctor. He would not eat an acorn, not even one acorn too much. I do not love little girls who eat too much. Do you, my little readers? I do not think that they have such rosy cheeks, or such bright eyes, or such sweet, happy tempers as those who eat less. The Broken Window George Ellett had a bright silver dollar as a New Year gift. He thought of all the fine things he might buy with it. The ground was covered with snow, and the sun shone out bright, and everything looked beautiful. So George put on his hat and ran into the street. As he went skipping along, he met some boys who were throwing snowballs. George soon engaged in the sport. He sent a ball at James Mason, but it missed him and broke a window on the other side of the street. George feared that some would come out of the street and out of the house and find him, so he ran off as fast as he could. As soon as he got around the corner, George stopped because he was very sorry for what he had done. He said to himself, I have no right to spend my silver dollar now. I ought to, I ought to go back and pay for that glass that I broke with my snowball. He went up and down the street and felt very sad. He wished very much instead to buy something nice. However, he also wished to pay for the broken glass. At last he said, It was wrong to break that window. I didn't mean to do it. I'll go over and pay for it, even if it takes all my money. Oh, I'll try not to be sorry. I don't think the man will hurt me if I pay for the mischief I have done. Okay, at this point, folks, the kids are instructed to take out their slates and draw a little thing and write some things about the story. I return back to the second part of the story. George started off and felt much happier for having made up his mind to do what was right. He rang the doorbell. When the man came out, George said, Sir, I threw a snowball through your window, but I didn't mean to do it. I'm very sorry, and I wish to pay you. Here's the dollar my father gave me as a, as a New Year's gift. The gentleman took the dollar and asked George if he had any more money. George said he had not. Well, this will do, the man said. So, after asking George his name and where he lived, he called him an honest boy and shut the door. George went right home with a face as rosy and eyes as bright as if nothing had gone wrong. 
At dinner, Mr. Ellett asked him what he had bought with his money. George very honestly told him all about the broken window and said he felt very well without spending any of the money. When dinner was over, Mr. Ellett told George to go over and look at your cap. George, go over and look at your cap over there. When he did so, he found two silver dollars in his cap. The man whose window had been broken had been there and told Mr. Ellett about it. He gave back George's dollar and another besides. A short time after this, the man came and told Mr. Ellett that he wanted a, a good boy who could be dependable to work in his store and stay there. As soon as George graduated from school, he went to live with this man, who was also a rich merchant. In a few years' time after working at that store, George became the merchant's partner. Now you can see, folks, those were quite some stories, and children were were thought of to, as a very, very special gift back in the old days, especially past the Civil War. If you look at a Bible, for instance, you'll find the word children are mentioned just a little over 1,800 times. And what I've done, I've popped up a piece of software, and I've typed in the word children, and I've gone to this section, which we call Red Letter Edition. That means the letters are in red. That means that Jesus Christ, God's Son, spoke, and in this case, using the word children. I'm going to read just a sample, maybe one or two sentences, of each example of Jesus talking about children. And later on, if you choose to listen to this broadcast uh, from time to time, you'll see how the McGuffey's readers gets closer and closer uh, to the Word of God, as opposed to maybe some uh, uh, some state-run schools that are out there right now. Okay, first example, Matthew 5, 9, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Next, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. Next, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Next, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. Oh boy, that's a... Next, and Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Next, but wherein shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the market and calling to their fellows. Next, and if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. Okay, folks, that just gives you a little bit of a, a taste right there. Now, for those of you who may be new to prison news, typically we give raw prison news, prison feeds, the things that are going on all over the earth having to do with prisoners, whether they're set to prison, whether they try to escape, whether there's legislation for or against the prisoners and their families and their victims, for that matter. We're getting a little bit off track here, but this McGuffey's Readers really was used to educate a lot of inmate children and regular children. And uh, as we said before, in addition to Henry Ford, a lot of guys talked about McGuffey's Readers, how it helped them. Well, folks, thanks for stopping by. This is called True absolute writings excuse me a piece of paper here is talking about the guy that made these that made copies of these these are not true absolute uh, what i'm reading to you is right but a little i apologize for that it was a piece of script copy you got on this thing here <laughs> well anyway this is prison news this is uh brought to you by what's called spreaker spelled s-p-r-e-a-k-e-r Spreaker is a place you go to online, type in Spreaker, you'll go right to it. It's a big, big repository for people that don't want to download, for instance, a podcast app. Maybe people have never even listened to a podcast. You can go to Spreaker, simply type in Prison News, 
And every morning that we have a fresh uh, broadcast, you can listen to it for free. Well, take care. God bless all of you, and bye for now.